I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking end zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately got the handoff. You know and it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to recap day number four at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And to do that, we bring in our friend who covers the Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. He's our man on the scene in Indianapolis this week, Mr. George Bremer. George, what's up, brother? Hey, not much. You know, I think... I can maybe time these guys at the combine now. I, and before I thought it was such a precise thing, it to be really trained. Now I'm thinking you can just take volunteers, right, and and do as good a job as they did last night. I was just gonna say, George, let's talk about that first because what a story that turned out to be. We heard reports the record that had previously been held for the 40 yard dash by John Ross had been shattered by Tyquan Thornton, and he had apparently run a 4-2-1 at the Combine, which is incredible. We also heard that Chris Olave, the wide receiver from Ohio State, had run a 4-2-6, which is incredible. And Christian Watson, the 6'4", 210-pound wide receiver from North Dakota State, had run a 4-2-8, which seemed unfathomable for a guy his size. Well, guess what? It was unfathomable, because Tyquan Thornton still ran very fast, but he ran a 4-2-8, the craziest swing here was Chris Olave, who didn't run a 4.26, he ran a 4.39, and a 4.36 was the official time for Christian Watson, not a 4.28, but still, a 4.36, incredibly impressive for a man that size. 
Velas Jones ran a 4-3-1. Calvin Austin a 4-3-2. Alec Pearson, Danny Gray a 4-3-3. Bo Melton, local kid, Rutgers, 4-3-4. That's pretty fast. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave's teammate at Ohio State, ran just slightly faster than him at 4-3-8. Sky Moore ran a 4-4-1. Isaiah Weston a 4-4-2. Jahan Dotson, Khalil Shakir, and Kelvin Austin Jr., a 4-4-3. So impressive numbers, but nowhere near as impressive as we first thought, right, George? No, and that, that's it always when when you're talking about the record breaking, and it goes back, you know that's that's what gets everybody's eyes. And I know that in the Olave one, that one really because a swing of three or four, that's pretty normal. We see that most years. That's why, you know, when when you're watching the TV broadcast and the, and the guy sets the record time, they'll always say four now because they know it's going to come back, and then it's you know four two five. No one would really be that surprised. Even that one at four two six wasn't a, a massive swing, but Olave's that I don't know how that happened. I mean, that is really poor job on, on the on the initial time because you know thirteen hundredths of a second is a huge right. huge <laughs> swing. Um, that's about twice what would be even remotely acceptable. So. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that I think that the numbers overall showed, and, and we've talked about it a lot already the last couple of days, just how deep this wide receiver group is. You know, you've got all these guys, even once the times are adjusted, flying out there. Uh, I think Christian Watson made himself a lot of money yesterday. <laughs> um, I think wherever he was in the draft, he's gone up from there. Uh, and I think the guy that probably hurt himself the most, and I don't know, we'll see how much of an impact it is, but I think David Bell from Purdue probably took the biggest hit. He's a highly productive college guy. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup didn't didn't run really fast in, in this event either. Uh, but it, it probably, whatever chance David Bell had to go in the first round, which was fading anyway, that's probably out the window after what happened yesterday out there at Lucas Hole Stadium. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
George, before we get to what happened with the interviews today, I wanted to talk about a big story that has come across the wire now. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and Adam Schefter of ESPN both reporting that the Cowboys are expected to release Amari Cooper before the start of the new league year. He will be due $20 million guaranteed if they don't do that. I think this is probably posturing to try and get a team to pony up for a trade. If you'll recall, something very similar happened with Rodney Hudson, the center from the Raiders last year. They all but said he was going to be released, and so the Cardinals swooped in and ended up acquiring him and a seventh-round pick in exchange for a third-rounder. I would not be surprised at all to see that happen in Amari Cooper's case, remember, the acquiring team only has to pay $16 million, the rest absorbed by the Cowboys, and you're talking about a guy who beyond that has no guaranteed money, so you could rework the deal, try to get an extension done, the Jets should certainly have some interest, the Jaguars absolutely will as well, those are two teams that would be perfect for him because they both need established number one type receivers, And Cooper fits the bill. And for those that will say, well, why trade for Cooper when you can go sign Allen Robinson or you can go sign Mike Williams or you can go sign Chris Godwin or you can try and sign Cooper if he shakes free. The reason that you do it is the same reason the Cardinals gave up a draft pick for Rodney Hudson. It's because that way you don't have to compete with these other teams. If you knew for a fact that Allen Robinson was going to sign with the Jets, if you knew for a fact that Chris Godwin was going to sign with the Jets, if you knew for a fact that Mike Williams was going to sign with the Jets, if you knew for a fact that if he gets released, Amari Cooper was going to sign with the Jets, of course you wouldn't trade anything for him. But this takes away any competition and ensures that you get the player that you really need. So this is interesting. It bears watching. And I think that if Cooper gets released, he immediately becomes a hot free agent and will have quite a market. So I would not be surprised at all if some team swoops in and makes a trade for him. No, I think you're absolutely right. If he's released, um, there's probably going to be 31 teams will be his market. Everybody except the team that released him. Uh, I don't know who out there would look at their roster and think they can't use Amari Cooper, honestly, um, especially when he, when it's just money. You know, at that point, if you've got the cap room, uh, you're going to be involved in it. I, I can't imagine that not being the case. Uh, and, and that's why, exactly, as you, you laid it out, that's why you go and you make the deal. You take that off the table. You don't let him hit the market. You bring him in. You get the guy that you need. I think, like you mentioned, the Jets, Jacksonville – uh, would make a ton of sense there because, you know, these young quarterbacks that you're trying to help out, you can go and, and make this deal, uh, maybe even the Chargers, you know, and, and give Justin Herbert even another weapon out there. Um, anybody with the cap space to, to sign him in free agency should probably think about sending a little something to the Cowboys right now. And the other part of it is, like you mentioned, if you make that trade, yeah, you're going to have to give up a pick. It isn't going to be a massive one because the Cowboys are going to release him otherwise. Uh, but that's $16 million that you're taking on that you can restructure, probably going to be cheaper than what you're going to sign him for if he hits the open market. No question about it, and that's another added piece of value for any team that acquires Cooper in a trade, if somebody does. So we'll keep our eye on that because the Jets very much should be and probably will be poking around there with Cooper, whether it's via trade or if he gets released and becomes a free agent. George, today at the Combine, everybody was waiting to hear from Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon, because 
He's become a polarizing prospect. Some people have said he doesn't really love football. He's only in it for the money and the fame. Everybody goes back to that quote he had when he went to the University of Oregon and said, yeah, you could go to Alabama and win championships, but if you go to Oregon, you get set up with Nike and Phil Knight, which I thought was pretty funny and savvy, but a lot of people took that to mean that he doesn't care about football. Then there's been talk that maybe he's not as good of a prospect as some people believe that he is. Then there's also been talk that he might be a little Jamal Adams-like, and maybe he's a little too much of a headache. So everybody was waiting to hear from him today, and he delivered. He was entertaining, if nothing else. He did say a couple of strange things, one of which was that when asked who he would compare himself to, he said Jadavion Clowney. Now, Jadavion Clowney has been a pretty good player in the NFL. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, but he's fallen way short of what the expectations for him were when he came out of South Carolina. He's never become an elite player, just a good to very good player. So it's odd that Thibodeau said that, although Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, and I have been saying for a while that we think that Thibodeau's floor is what you've seen from Clowney. In other words, barring some sort of injury, most likely his floor is maybe seven to eight sacks a year and a really good run defender. If that's the worst you're going to get, not really worried about it. But he spoke today and he talked a lot about how his biggest asset, he believes, is his mindset. Says he's hungry for knowledge, watches film, he steals it and he implements it in practice. If I don't do a move, I know that I'm going to put pressure on myself to learn that move, he said. So I thought he was pretty impressive, certainly showed a personality. We'll see what happens when he goes one-on-one with these teams, when they really review his film, and when he has his pro day. He could slide, that's been the talk, but ultimately he could end up going right around where everybody thought he was going to go as well, which is somewhere in the top five. So, remains to be seen, but I certainly thought he was entertaining today at the Combine. Yeah, I agree completely. He was very polished. He had that sort of, I don't, whatever that quality is, that, that aura about him. He had that star sort of quality already you know he was commanding the audience he felt very comfortable up there uh you know i thought it was interesting he said early on when somebody asked him about the the knocks that are out there he doesn't really care what gets said right now as long as teams as long as he can come to an understanding with teams and they understand how much he loves the game that's all that matters and that's the right approach it really doesn't matter what's in the newspaper right now or what's on the radio or what's on television it's what those teams are thinking because, as we've said, you know, a hundred times over the years here, it just takes one out of 32 to fall in love with you. It doesn't matter. If he can convince one team in the top five that he's not a headache and that he will be, you know, the star that he's projected to be, he'll go in the top five, and, and that's all that needs to happen. And he's got that right attitude. I think he's played under the spotlight for a while. You can feel that. You see, it, it just, he wasn't shaken, you know, and then he didn't, he won the press conference, which is, you know, doesn't always happen down here. <laughs> um, I, I remember a few years ago, Robert Kandichi came out there and just, oh my goodness, started throwing his Ole Miss teammates under the bus and it was bad. And this could have gone that way and it didn't, not at all. I think he, you know, to the extent that he can in the public forum, quiet a lot of that i think he did today again and he admitted it all it really matters is what teams are thinking and, and we'll know about that next month george you posted a picture on your twitter after jordan davis the interior defensive lineman from georgia spoke and you put him next to evan neal the offensive tackle from alabama 
both are about the same size, but Evan Neal looks so much leaner, carries that weight so much differently than Jordan Davis. As you say on your Twitter, it is mind-bending that those two guys are the same size. Davis says he wants to carry a little less weight when he becomes a pro officially. He also talked about how he was the Outland Trophy winner and how the depth of the Bulldogs' defense was its strength. wasn't about the stars. It was about the way we played our positions. If you're good enough, you'll be on the field. That's the right attitude, and that's pretty much what you would expect from somebody that came from a defense that had so many great players that was led, of course, by N'Kobe Dean. He's a really impressive guy, too, you know. And Georgia had that really strong defense front, all three guys. Trayvon Walker, uh, mm. third guy escapes me right now. Deontay Williams, I want to say. Um, Devontae Wyatt. They, Devontae Wyatt, yes, that's it. Uh, all three of them were outstanding today up there on the podium. But Jordan Davis in particular, you know, he just very much like Thibodeau. He, he commanded the audience. Very self-assured, very confident in what he was saying. And I think NFL teams like that attitude. They said, yeah, there's a ton of talent on this defense. And you have to compete. And nothing's promised to you. And all that means is you better go out and do your job. And then you'll be on the field. I think as an NFL evaluator, you probably really like that. (laughs) You're glad to hear that. You're glad to see that. He's used to, you know, somebody trying to take his spot. I think that's what, you know, when people talk every year about the SEC and, and how it's different and, the competition down there. It's not just the guys you play against. That's a big deal because you're playing against a bunch of guys who are going to get drafted, but it's within your own, you know, program. If you're at Alabama, if you're at Georgia, your job's on the line every year. There's always a freshman coming in who can take it. There's always a sophomore coming up who's hungry, who wants your spot. And that's what you're going to face when you're in the NFL. So I think, you know, those kids that, that get it and Jordan Davis clearly gets it. It, I think NFL teams, you just see ear-to-ear smiles when they hear stuff like that. Perrion Winfrey, who was the MVP of the Senior Bowl, says he feels like he played out of position during his time at Oklahoma, but whatever his team needed, he was willing to do. Says he hates to give the offensive line credit, but the best offensive lineman he ever went up against was Creed Humphrey, who of course was his teammate at Oklahoma, so they went up against each other at practice. Creed Humphrey, of course, made the all-rookie team, had a fantastic year in his first season with the Kansas City Chiefs. Aiden Hutchinson, perhaps the top pass rusher in this draft, certainly the odds on favor to be the first edge rusher off the board, talked a lot about his close relationship with his former teammate, Quiddy Pay, who is now on the Colts, says they talk nearly every day and Pay is helping to prepare him to be one of the top picks in the upcoming NFL draft. So George, talk to me a little bit about Winfrey and also Aiden Hutchinson And one other thing that I was curious about, since you were up close with Hutchinson, did he indeed look smaller than expected? Because remember, we were talking about that video yesterday, and people were saying Hutchinson looked very small for a guy who's supposed to be an ace NFL edge rusher. Is that something you noticed? I mean, he looked smaller than than, uh, Thibodeau, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, But I don't, it didn't look like a problem. And granted, I've been around the Colts most of my career. So I'm used to seeing guys like Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney, you know, who weren't big, big pass rushers. And and I've seen them get it done. Uh, It wasn't something that struck me as an issue. He didn't look like, you know, surprisingly small by any stretch of imagination. He he bristled, though, at at that talk. Someone was asking to about – you know, his lack of length and 
how has he tried to compensate for that against linemen who might have length? And he basically said it never comes into the equation. And, you know, he didn't want to really talk about that very much. Um, but, you know, he was a guy, he talked about Quiddy Pay, uh, said that they have very similar approaches to the game in terms of their mindset. And the fact that, you know, Quiddy didn't really have a hard time picking up NFL defenses and concepts. Uh, gives him confidence that he's going to have a similar experience wherever he lands this year. Uh, talk a little bit about the possibility of going to Detroit, which I think is very likely. If he doesn't go to Jacksonville, you can pretty much write him in at number two <laughs> to the Lions. Uh, and he's you know he's excited about that because he'd be close to home. He, he thinks that would help the transition, still being around his mom and dad, being in an area where he obviously grew up. And he, he's not afraid to be the face of a franchise, which I think if he goes to the Lions – uh, his jersey will be the number one selling jersey, like by the end of draft weekend. On that, and he'll absolutely be the face of the franchise. Uh, it feels like a weight he's ready to carry. Winfrey was another really entertaining guy. You know, he said a lot of things that were kind of noteworthy. Uh, he said, "You don't settle for mediocrity. You want to be around d- dogs, people who want to be great every day." Uh, he just really seemed to have a very aggressive mindset. As you mentioned, he, he talked about playing out of position at Oklahoma, but doing whatever it took to help the team win. Uh, I think he's a guy that is also going to impress a lot of NFL clubs with his confidence. But with that, you know, when you get a defender, you want a guy with a little edge, a little bite to him. This definitely, Winfrey's definitely one of those guys. Florida defensive tackle Zach Carter said he likes to watch J.J. Watt, has a similar body type, but his favorite player is Aaron Donald. Quote, I feel like everybody's favorite player should be Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt brought up a lot during this press conference by numerous players, as was Evan Neal. In fact, Zach Carter brought him up saying that Evan Neal was the toughest player he'd played against in college football. And also said that Trevor Penning, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle, was the toughest guy he went up against at the Senior Bowl. LSU defensive tackle Neil Farrell says he's got position versatility but doesn't have a preference. Pretty much every position, you got to beat the guy in front of you is what Farrell said. Alabama defensive tackle Fedarian Mathis, who could be an early second round pick, said he tipped his hat to the Georgia contingent at the Senior Bowl. Admits there was a lot of trash talk back and forth between the Alabama guys and the Georgia guys throughout the season, but there's nothing but love and respect now. Ohio State's Garrett Haskell says he's dealing with a shoulder injury but still played at the Senior Bowl. It was a goal. It was something I dreamed about playing in that game. Nothing was going to stop me. Another interior defensive lineman, DeMarvin Leal, on his football journey. I started playing football when I was four years old. I instantly fell in love. Leal from Texas A&M was somebody that a lot of people thought could go in the top 10. Now it seems like the estimates are closer to the second round. And Tyreek Smith from Ohio State says that he sent his film to Max Crosby and has learned some great counter moves along the way. Remember, Max Crosby got to the Pro Bowl in Gus Bradley's defense last season with the Raiders. Very interesting considering that Gus Bradley is now going to be with the Colts. So there you go, George. A whole bunch of guys that spoke. Those are more or less the highlights from today's press conference in Indianapolis at the Combine. What stood out to you? Yeah, you know, Haskell Garrett stuff. This, I mean, you talk about that with all these guys and you're trying to find examples. He got shot through and through in his cheek in 2020 before the season. Didn't miss a game. I don't know if it gets tougher than that. And then he was talking about this year. You mentioned the shoulder 
you know, and, and dealing with that and playing at the, the senior bowl. He said the doctors told him before the Michigan State game his ankle was bad enough he shouldn't play. He should shut down for the season. Uh, he, he knew that Ohio State was still chasing a Big Ten title and wanted to get into the college football playoff. He played through the ankle, played in the Michigan game, and then after they lost to the Wolverines, that's why he opted out of the Rose Bowl. I think a lot of people thought he wasn't playing the Rose Bowl for draft prep. Normal reason that these guys, you know, will will leave. Uh, no, you know, it was that he was supposed to be done mo- a month, a month and a half earlier, uh, and he just played through it. So I think this is a guy that you're probably going to be able to get, maybe even in the fifth round. Uh, but but a name to watch on day three. I think NFL guys, NFL teams will be impressed. Toughness like that. Some other quick news and notes before we go. Traylon Burks ran a little bit slower than expected at the Combine, a 4.55. Some people thought he might run a sub 4.5. Still very impressive for a guy his size, but a little underwhelming. Daniel Falele weighed in at 384 pounds, the heaviest man to weigh in at the Combine in almost 20 years. Impressive feat. According to Ian Rappaport, the Patriots are likely to decline to put the franchise tag on all-pro cornerback J.C. Jackson. I won't believe that until I see it. It still just makes no sense to me. He's 25 years old, plays one of the most important positions in football. Have to figure that even if the Patriots don't want to pay him, they could tag him and trade him for a really impressive return. Until the deadline comes and they don't tag him, I still think there's a chance that they're going to do it. And speaking of franchise tags, we all figured that Marcus Williams, the safety from the New Orleans Saints, would not get franchise tagged. It looks like that is indeed going to be the case. Going to be too costly for the Saints. They'll try to work out a long-term deal with him, but if they can't get one done, they are likely to let him explore the free agent market. Should be at the top of the Jets' list. Last but not least, running backs ran at the Combine today. The two biggest ones that popped to me, a 4-4-4 for Brees Hall out of Iowa State. That's a phenomenal time for him. He should be a second-round pick. And Tyler Algier, the power back out of BYU, has got some familiarity with Zach Wilson. He ran a 4.64. That's slower than people expected. Could he drop to the third or fourth round? Certainly possible. And if he does, I would think he'd certainly be in play for the Jets. And that'll wrap up our coverage of day number four of the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis with our friend George Bremer over at CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Make sure you follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer and read his work at the Herald Bulletin. We'll have more tomorrow, including the offensive lineman who ran the 40-yard dash. We've got some information on bench presses and arm length and all that we'll talk about it tomorrow in the meantime though check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet youtube channel the thunder from down under luke grant has got some fantastic videos up including an all 22 breakdown of the aforementioned trailing burks and plenty more so watch the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't done so already visit our store at tpublic.com that's teepublic.com we've got the john franklin myers quinn and williams bless you thank you shirt the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's teepublic.com, and make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing, doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out, so if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.